welcome to the Taney Love Church Podcast. Our desire is to gather, train, and send those who are called to the kingdom. We hope this message inspires, uplifts, and equips you to fulfill the call that God has placed in your life. Thanks again. God bless. Let's, let's mark something off our Christmas list this morning before we get started. Um, you gotta, you got to sweep the floor before you put the couch down, you understand? Uh, you know, uh, let's, let's turn over to uh, Proverbs chapter 15. This is, this is what Elijah would refer to as housekeeping, but I had to call it something different because I don't want people to think I was copying him, but you know. You knew it anyway, though, so it doesn't even matter. Proverbs 15, verse 1. Uh, this isn't my message, but we'll just touch on something here for a second. And uh, if we if we have that, we can put it up on the screen. I didn't give that to Nancy. Uh, just something that came up in my heart. It says, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up strife. Uh, this time of year, well, any time of year really, but this time of year, uh, there's a lot of people who are going to be seeing family and things of that nature. And Micah mentioned, you know, going out and shopping and, uh, you know, people you know, talk about peace on earth and definitely is something that we're celebrating. But for all the peace on earth that is talked about, we don't see a whole lot of peace on earth this time of year usually. And uh, something that just came up to me um, to guard against is when you're coming together with family, uh, the enemy will try to build things up on people. And he'll try to get one thing after another to build up on people to the point that somebody just says one thing wrong and somebody just goes off. And it just they just fly off the handle. And, you know, there's a lot of talk about, you know, people that have come into places and pulled a gun and shot people and, and that's an awful thing and uh the world that we live in, we've seen that a lot. But you know, a lot of people do that with their words. A lot of people come into a place, come, in, come home, uh, you know, go to their job and, and something just gets them upset and they, 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 there's a mass shooting of words. And uh, you know, you can, you can beat people with your words. And a lot of times, we've all got flesh. Um, all of us have flesh. And stuff can try to just build up on you and build up on you. And if, if you're not careful, if you're not sensitive to the Holy Spirit, um, something can, you know, you, you might have been doing fine. And then all of a sudden you're just ready to fly off on somebody. And what you don't realize is that you can't get those words back. You, you can't put bullets back into the gun after you've shot them. And, and uh, the enemy's goal and his purpose in that is to try and get people to hurt each other with their words. Yeah. And he, he loves strife. And something that the Bible says here is a remedy for that is a soft answer turns away wrath. And what does that mean? What does it mean to turn away something? Well, if somebody comes to my door and asks me if they can use the phone, and I say, no, go away, leave, that's weird. You know, I turned them away. I said, don't come in. You can't come in here. 
Well, you know, you talk about taking authority over strife, and we pray, and we say, Lord, we take authority over strife, and we take authority over spirits of strife, and that's good to do. We should do that. But this says that the way you turn away strife is with a soft answer. That's the way you tell strife it can't come in. And so just something that came up in my heart, if, if you, you find an opportunity, if you're around somebody and, and maybe they're annoying you, maybe they're irritating you, maybe they just said just the right slash wrong thing yeah. um, that got under your skin, um, if you'll submit to the love of God, he'll give you a soft answer. Um, you know, you can feel like slapping somebody and just be kind. Uh, you, can, you can feel like, uh, you know, like Brother Hagin said, you know, he used to, he preached in a church, and he said every Sunday, he, he came in there, and, and it was a church that had a lot of issues, and he said, every Sunday, I just felt like skinning them alive and nailing them to the wall, you know, insulting their hide, you know, he said, so every time that would happen, he would preach on love or heaven, and he said he spent the whole first year of that church preaching on love and heaven, but I said that to say, uh, you know, if you want to go far, with the Lord, you can't live by how you feel. You can't live by how you feel. You can have things, you can have feelings rising up in you, you can have stuff going through your mind, and you can absolutely refuse to yield to it. You can, you can have a hundred things going through your mind that you want to say to somebody and absolutely just crucify it and kill it. You know, there's a reason why we, we have to crucify things. Uh, and you know, the sooner you kill it, the less it'll bother you. You know, the sooner you kill something, it, it won't it won't bother you anymore. Amen. Anyway, that's just something I had in my heart in the beginning this morning. And uh, I just thought I'd minister that to you. Um, turn with me to Matthew chapter one. Matthew chapter one. We'll get started here. And uh, read a little bit about about what we're celebrating this time of year. Uh, I like holiday themed messages and I, I don't automatically do that. Um, I seek the Lord and make sure, but I always get excited when the Lord gives me something along those lines. Um, Matthew chapter 1, starting in about verse 22, um, God is talking to Joseph and God had, had a, spoke to him in a dream and he's telling him not to be afraid to take Mary, his as his wife, and uh, he's talking about Jesus, and he says this in verse 22, uh, Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Somebody say, God with us. Say it again, God with us. What does that mean? What does that mean, God with us? Well, first, I'm sorry, John chapter 1 tells us that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Um, we know that God is omni, or some people say omnipresent. And that means he, He's everywhere. But he's not manifested everywhere the same. You understand? And 
So when he says that God is with us, God is dwelling among us, dwelling has to do with making something your home. Dwelling has to do with something is, I'm at home somewhere. Why would I dwell somewhere? Because I'm at home there. I'm at peace there. And Jesus, for the three years that he was here, he made his home on the earth. He dwelt among us. He wasn't just here for a quick visit. He dwelt among us. He was present with us. Here's the thing, though. Um, There's a difference between being present and uh, being present. How many know what I mean by that? Do I I need to say that again? There's a difference between being present and being present. You can be present and not be present. Uh, You know, this came up to my mind during service. Imagine if you knew that if you stayed awake during the whole service today, you'd get $1,000 at the end. (laughs) How many of y'all stay awake? Well, if you're really expecting to get something from the Lord today, would you be present? Yeah, come on. Now, I'm not sitting up here like a sanctimonious, uh, you know, Sanhedrin and, and, and thinking that I've never dealt with this before. I know exactly the kind of pressure that comes on us during service to be distracted. Yeah. Yeah. I've been there. It's happened to me many times. I know exactly what that's like. But let me ask you this. Why? Why does that happen? Why is it that for these few minutes that that somebody is up here ministering the word, it's like the enemy tries so hard to get you distracted. He tries so hard to get your mind on anything else or get you to fall asleep. I'm not trying to condemn anybody. I've done it myself. I have fallen asleep during many a service, okay? And I like what Brother Kenneth Hagin said. I've been listening to him a lot this week, so I'll probably quote him a lot. Uh, he, he said, you know, a lot of people, they're not getting anything out of the service or their nap, so they may as well just choose one, you know? <laughs> if you're not going to get anything out of the service, go ahead and take a nap. But, but, you know, a lot of times the reason why the enemy's trying so hard is because there's something here for you. God has a word for you. It's not about me. It's not about Micah. It's not about Elijah. God has something for you. And he's trying to get something to you. And the enemy doesn't want you to get what he has for you. And so being present has to do with not only being here, but being engaged. And the the phrase that I felt like the Lord gave me, we'll get into this more, but the more present we are with him, the more present he is with us. The more present we are with him, the more he manifests himself. Amen. Glory to God. Turn over to John 14, and we'll get more into this. Uh, You know, on that note, while you're turning over there, uh, you don't need a lot of people to have a manifestation of the presence of God. All you need is two or three people who, watch this, are present, yeah, that's good. who are engaged. Yeah. Um, you know, <laughs> I, I told you I'd quote Brother Hagin a lot. Um, you know, he talked about, he was at a, a meeting one time, and uh, the, there wasn't many people in attendance. And the people who were over the meeting said, now, Brother Hagin, don't get discouraged and leave us. Don't get discouraged and leave us just because there's not that many people. He said, I'm not going to get discouraged. I don't care if nobody but two snaggletooth women show up. <laughs> He said, I'm just going to give it my best shot. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preach the best sermon I've ever preached. I'll give my best Bible lesson. And, you know, here's the thing about that. This is a side note. 
But to despise a small crowd is actually to despise him. Why? Because he said, where two or three are gathered, there I am. In other words, he's in the pew next to you when two or three are gathered in my name. So that's why you don't ever want to despise a small crowd. Because you're actually despising him. Um, John chapter 14, in verse uh, 21, he said this, He that has my commandments and keeps them. This will come up again here in a minute. He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who, somebody say, loves me. Loves me. And he who loves me will be loved of my Father, and I will love him and do what? Manifest myself to him. Now here's something right here. We'll we'll keep reading here just a second. Um, People say, well, I thought God loved everybody. He does. But there is a difference between available love and manifested love. Did you hear me? There is a difference between available love and manifested love. What do I mean by that? There are cell phone signals going throughout the air. And a cell phone signal can come to my cell phone, but I won't receive it, watch this, if there's no reception. If there's no reception, I won't receive what's available. He said, he who loves me and keeps my commandments, I will love him and manifest myself to him. In other words, you don't get the full manifestation of God's love towards you if there's no reception. If you don't love him back, well, I mean, should you try to force affection on somebody? No. No. That's a pretty, pretty, pretty hard no, right? Yeah. No means no, you understand? Uh, uh, you don't force affection. And there's a level of God's love and His, His presence and His affection that He is available to every person on the earth. That does not mean it's manifested. It does not mean it's manifested. Why? Because there has to be a reception. Keep reading. Verse 22. Judas said unto him, not Iscariot, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not unto the world? See, they still had this mentality that Jesus is about to take over Rome and that the whole world's going to see him. He's going to be live on CNN yeah, yeah. and everybody's going to see. Now, that's, there's a time coming, but it wasn't right here. And that's why he asked that. And he said, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and do what? Make our home with him. What does that mean? Make our home with him. Well, God manifests himself in an environment where he feels at home. I want to say that again. God manifests himself in an environment where he feels at home, at rest. Uh, You know, if you can't, If you don't feel at home somewhere, you can't rest. It's hard to be at peace there, relaxed there. And and what's a reason why you wouldn't be at rest somewhere? Because the people there didn't love you. And you knew that. Could you be at peace and at rest in an environment where you knew people just didn't like you, didn't want anything to do with you? No. So where there's an environment of a love and affection for God, He feels at home. 
and he manifests himself. And watch this. The more he manifests himself, the more we feel at home. His presence is home. Why? Because we were just singing, your presence is heaven to me. When God's manifesting himself, that's the environment of heaven. Jesus is the light in heaven. And God is love. So if God is the environment in heaven, that means all you have to do to feel love in heaven is just do this. All you have to do to feel peace in heaven is just think about that. Now, in, in the world we live in, uh, our souls, you know, are always hungry for those things because we don't live in an environment where that's fully manifested. And, and this is why in a lot of situations and relationships, people are like, well, they just don't, they don't, I don't feel like they love me or they're not showing me this or they're not giving me this. Or that. But imagine if all you had to do to just take care of that is just breathe in. Yeah, that's well, that's what it's like in heaven. That's also what it's like when His presence is manifested. It's one thing to say, you're all I need. It's another, th- it's another thing when something is removed from a, a place in your life and it's empty and now He's got to fill that. It's easy to say, oh God, you're all I need if you're never relying on Him for anything. It's easy to say that. But it's when you step out on the aching void with nothing underneath your feet but the Word of God that you find out just how reliable He really is. And He fills that space. James chapter 4, I'm just quoting this, he talked about how, you know, uh, submitting to God, resisting the devil, and He'll flee. He talked about how the Holy Spirit yearns jealously for us. And, and, And He talked about how He gives more grace. Well, a lot of times, if you want more grace, you got to make space for more grace. Amen. I did mean for that to rhyme, by the way. Uh, let's keep reading. Is it good so far? Are you guys getting anything out of it so far? Uh, where are we at? Verse, uh, verse 24. He who does not love me does not keep my words, and the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. Uh, keep going. These things I have spoken to you while what? Being present with you. Every word in the Bible is significant. Especially what Jesus said. Being present with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I have said to you. You know, the Holy Spirit is our hard line to Jesus. And anytime Jesus wants to send you a message, He's going to do it by means of the Holy Spirit. He takes of His and He shows it unto you. Amen. And, uh, you know, Jesus isn't on the earth anymore. He said, unless I go away, the Helper won't come. But He said, I won't leave you helpless. So Jesus left the earth and He sent us the Comforter. He sent us the Holy Spirit. So He's still present with us. He's never stopped being present with us. But whenever the Holy Spirit is in manifestation... That's Him being present with us, manifesting Himself to us. Does that make sense? Yeah. Y'all tracking with me so far? All right. Now, let's, uh, let's go to Psalm 16, verse 5. And I'll tell you the title of my message. Starting in verse 5. If you have it, say, I have it. 
He said, Lord, you are the portion of my inheritance and my cup. You maintain my lot. Keep going. The lines have fallen to me in pleasant places. Yes, I have a good inheritance. I will bless the Lord who has given me counsel. My heart also instructs me in the night seasons. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be moved. Therefore, my heart is glad and my glory, that means my inner man, rejoices. My flesh also will rest in hope. For you will not leave my soul in Sheol, neither will you allow your Holy One to seek corruption. You will show me the path of life in your presence. Somebody say, in your presence. Is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. The title of my message today is The Present of His Presence. The present of his presence. I, I thought of a good Christmas title for you. Well, the Lord helped me with it. But the present of his presence. His presence is a gift. Um, I, a, good, a good friend of mine, Jordan Hart, once, uh, some of y'all know who Jordan Hart is. He once wrote a, a Christmas song on the, what was it, the, the electric piano. And it, the lyric simply went like, Jesus is a present. He's also ever-present. He's given everybody presents. We're all wrapped up in his presence. If you know Jordan Hart, you, you, you understand his humor and you, you think that's funny, but had to shout him out on that. Uh, Psalm 27, verse 4. said, One thing I have desired of the Lord, that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. He said, one thing I have desired of the Lord, that I may dwell. What's that? That's abiding. Yeah. That's being at home yeah. in the house of God. Did you know that you don't have to be in fear in his presence? Right. You want to have a reverential fear of him. But you can be at home in his presence. In fact, that is home. Yeah. Heaven is our home. Um. You know, we are stewards of the nation that we live in. And the Bible says we're the salt of the earth. And we're called to preserve where God has placed us and to pray for. You want to be careful about wrapping too much of your identity in your earthly nation. Uh, you, 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 love, you appreciate it. You give thanks for it. You honor it. Uh, you honor the people who are, are, are over it and, and uh, the people who have, have laid down their life. You honor. Honor is always godly. Yeah. But, but guard against having your affection too set on this earth. Because our citizenship is in heaven. Um, and, and the more you set your affection on heaven, the more real it will become to you. Amen. Um, thank you, Lord. He's talking about being at home in the presence of God. Uh, you know, why do we come into this sanctuary? Why do we have sanctuaries? Why do we have a place where we come into the sanctuary? Because it's a place where His presence manifests. Yeah. It's a place where He manifests. There, there are moments of heaven on earth in this place. Now, it doesn't have to be in a church. It can be in a living room. It can be in a Bible study. We know that. Yeah. It, it can be in your prayer closet. But all you need is either you are present with Him in your prayer closet or just two or three people that are present, that are engaged. 
I can't tell you how many conversations I've had with people in my car. And, and God just manifested in my car. This, why? Because just two people engaged, just hooked. And we come in to the sanctuary because there's a manifestation of heaven here. And uh, something about that, you know, uh, we can have days of heaven on earth. We can experience days of heaven on earth. Let's read about that. Deuteronomy chapter 11. Uh, I'm not going to turn there. I'll just read it on here. Deuteronomy chapter 11. There are precious moments that happen where if you have eyes to see and ears to hear, you'll recognize this is a heavenly moment right here. Uh, We experienced this, Grace and me and Elijah experienced this at Fall Social. Um, We we had the opportunity to walk up to Brother Keith Moore. He was sitting around the fire and just went and said hi to him. And uh, Elijah asked him, you know, what, what would you... Any advice, anything you'd say to young people in ministry? And, you know, he paused for a minute and then, you know, he, he said a few things. And um, it was exactly what I needed to hear. I know it was exactly what Grace needed to hear. And Elijah said the same thing. But it was like, I don't know what it was, Elijah. It was like time just stopped for a minute. Yeah. I can't explain it. I'm not trying to elevate a man. But there was a moment of heaven right there with just that time of fellowship. It maybe lasted 10 minutes long. But it was so full, and it was so just rich, and I got so much out of it. I left that moment having just received so much from just those few minutes. And there are precious moments like that with people. It doesn't have to be with a a well-known preacher. It can be with each other in the car. But heaven can manifest because people are present. People are focused. People are hooked. But inevitably, there are things that try to take away from those moments and get you to miss them. Deuteronomy chapter 11, uh, starting in verse uh, 11, or I'm sorry, 13. It says, And it shall come to pass, if you shall hearken diligently unto my commandments, which I command you this day, to love the Lord your God. Somebody say to love. love. To love the Lord your God, to serve Him with all your heart and all your soul. What does that mean? All your heart and all your soul. Um, well, Jesus said, He who worships me must worship in spirit and in truth. That's all your heart. But what's the all your soul? Because I heard some people say, Well, that, that's just soulish. Mm-hmm. Well, things can be just emotional if the heart's not in it. Correct. But he said, What? all your heart and all your soul. Don't despise emotion. You just don't let that be in the front. You just don't let that be in the front. You're not led by how you feel. But don't look at people having an emotional experience in the presence of God and think, oh, they're just, that's just soulish. No. He said love them with all your heart and all your soul. But you got to make sure you have the heart right. Because if that's off and you're just being emotional because you like the minor chords in the music, well, that's not, he, that's not pleasing to him. That's not, that's not, your heart's not engaged. You understand? So our, God cares about your emotions. He just didn't want you to be led by your emotions. He gave you, did you know God has emotions? Well, that's another sermon for another day. We can't, we can't get into that right now. It's already 12 o'clock. 
Um, and he said to, to love him with all your heart and all your soul, that I will give you the rain of your land in his due season, the first rain and the latter rain, that you may gather in corn and wine and oil. And I will send grass in your fields for your cattle, and that you may eat and be full. Uh, skip on down uh, to verse 21. He said, Take heed to yourselves, that your heart be not deceived. Uh, what was, I'm sorry, go back. Was that verse, uh, what was the verse uh, you were just at, Nancy? Uh, yeah, yeah, that was right. Sorry, sorry, I, I moved too fast. Take heed to yourselves, that your heart be not deceived, that you turn aside and serve other gods and worship them. Um, you know, idolatry, uh, a big part of idolatry, there's a lot of things that people would call idolatry. And, and in some cases they would be. But idolatry has a lot to do with the heart. Correct. And it's easy to look at things from an outward perspective and think, well, that's idolatry. Well, one of the biggest idols that I think our modern culture deals with is self. Correct. And, you know, when Jesus talked about, you know, hating your own life for his sake, you, you look that up, some of that, that hate can also mean to set aside. And a big part of that is setting aside yourself to follow him. Ephesians says, no man hates his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it. No, God, you're the temple of the Holy Spirit. God don't want you to hate yourself, but you set aside yourself. Let me say it to you like this. You've heard of Elf on the Shelf? Yeah. Well, you've got to learn to put self on the shelf. You understand? You've got to learn to put self on the shelf. And that's, that's a big part of putting him first place. Putting yourself aside. Amen. Glory to God. Keep you awake. Keep you awake this morning. Let you fall asleep on me. Um, keep going. I think verse 21. It says, uh, talks about that your days be multiplied in the days of your children. Um, to give to your fathers as the days of heaven upon the earth. Somebody say the days of heaven. The days of Upon the earth. We can experience days, moments of heaven on the earth. Keep reading though. Uh, before this, he talked about what you meditate on. Talked about what you're focused on, what you're, what you're meditating on, what's on your mind. Another way of saying that is what your affection is set on. And that has to do with experiencing days of heaven on the earth. He said, for if you shall all keep all these commandments, which I command you to do them, to love the Lord your God. Now that's the commandment that he's talking about. To love the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, and to cleave unto him. Mm. Do you see this is affection? Yeah, yeah, yeah. To cleave unto him. If you'll do that, then the Lord will drive out all these nations from before you. But I want to highlight to you the part where he talks about the days of heaven on the earth. I, I, I skipped a verse. Um, I'll just read it to you. I won't make Nancy find it. it uh, right before this, it says, And the Lord's wrath be kindled against you, and he shut up the heaven. And there be no rain, that the land yield not her fruit, lest you perish quickly from off the good land which the Lord gives you. Now, he is talking about natural rain there. But I believe this is also a type in the shadow of the spiritual rain, the former and the latter rain, the rain of heaven. So we see that there's two things can happen. Heaven can be opened or it can be shut. And it has to do with your love and affection for the Lord. Heaven's available, but if it's open to you, whether or not it's open to you, 
has to do with your love for him, your affection toward him. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Heaven can be open. God is a God who hides himself and reveals himself. And depending on the heart of a person and their, not, not their performance, not their perfection, not them uh, crossing every T and dotting every I, but the heart of a person, the humility of a person. God looks at the heart and he manifests himself to people who are hungry for him, who have a hunger for him, a desire for him. And heaven can be opened or closed. It can be manifested or withdrawn. Amen. Glory to God. Now, I want to talk to you a few minutes about heaven. Uh, I've been thinking about heaven a lot. I've been meditating on it. And I, I want to say a few words about heaven. Because this is where we're going to spend eternity. And so we, we probably need to get familiar with it. Not too familiar with it. Because if you get too familiar with it, you won't want to be here anymore. But um, we need to know where we're headed. Revelation 21, verse 1. Uh, the biggest thing about heaven is that it's home. It's home. It's our ultimate home. Revelation 21, verse 1, it says, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, Coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, the tabernacle of God is with men. I know I'm moving fast, Nancy. I apologize. The tabernacle of God is with men and he will what? Dwell with them. He will dwell with them. And they shall be his people and God himself shall be with them and be their God. And it says, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow, nor crying, neither shall there be any. Somebody say no more pain. No more pain. No more. Can you imagine what your life would be like if it was impossible for you to feel pain? Talking about physical pain, emotional pain, mental torment. I'm, I mean... You, you, you could try with all your might and you couldn't make it happen. Zero pain. That's your future. Now that should excite somebody. Yeah, that's good. Zero pain. No more pain. For the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said unto me, It is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. And I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of water of life freely. So this is a little taste. Somebody say a taste of the atmosphere that is manifesting when heaven is manifesting, when his presence is manifesting. So when we're present with him, we are engaging with him. He's manifesting himself to us. And this is what we're getting a taste of. No more pain. Tears wiped away. No more sorrow. We're getting, a, we're getting a taste of it. And we can have a taste of this in our homes. We can have a taste of this in our, our churches, our relationships, if, if we'll do these things that he's talking about. Now, um, I want to talk about a moment of heaven on earth that was manifested and two different responses to that moment. 
I've talked about this a lot. It's probably one of my favorite passages to preach out of. Are y'all tracking with me so far? Does this make sense so far? I don't want to move too fast for you. I want to make sure you're, you're, getting, you're getting it. I'm talking about the presence of God. I'm talking about being engaged with the presence of God and what His response is when you're not, not perfect, not doing everything just right, but you love Him. Yeah. You know, a, a child can draw a picture for their parent and mess it all up and color outside of the lines, but it was the heart behind it that pleases the parent. It's the love. And that's what we're talking about here. When God knows you love Him, He's not impressed by all the scriptures that you know. He's not, I mean, it's good to know scripture, but He's not impressed by your theological stances on this and that and whatnot. The thing that gets His attention is a heart full of love for Him and affection for Him. And that's what He responds to. Just a genuine, Lord, I love you. I, I, I have a hunger for you. I, I'm a thirsty for you. You may not know it. You may have, you couldn't quote, but two verses, and, and both of them are out of context, and you, you said them wrong. But if you have a heart for them, that's what he's looking at. Amen. Um, where did I say to go to? I didn't say, did I? Luke chapter 10 and verse 38. It says, uh, Now it happened as they went that he entered a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. Now I think it's interesting that it says also, because I think that implies that at one point Martha was sitting at his feet. But something caught her attention. Something distracted her away from what Jesus was saying. Something was more important right. something was more important and it distracted her away Mary is caught up in this moment of heaven on earth hearing the words of God through Jesus and she's engaged she's hooked she is, she is receiving she's hungry yeah. but Martha was distracted by much serving. Did you know you can be distracted by too much serving? Yeah, true. Um, Jesus said in, in John chapter 12, He who serves me, let him follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. Serving God has more to do with following him right. and being where he is right. than it does stacking chairs. Now, if he's stacking chairs, you need to be stacking chairs with him. But I don't want to be stacking chairs without him, though. And when people are stacking chairs without Jesus, that's when they get burnt out. That's all I'll say about that. But distracted with much serving, this, this stood out to me. You know, this time of year, there's a lot to do. Micah was talking about it. There's a lot of preparations to be made, a lot of baking, cooking, shopping. A lot of stuff to keep a person busy. And there's nothing wrong with any of those things. But why does she have to do that right now? Right. Jesus is talking. There's something, it's not about, there's nothing wrong with her serving. Mm-hmm. But that's taking priority over this moment of heaven on earth. His presence. 
And it says, she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Now, what we see here, she's starting to question his love. Why is she questioning his love? Because his love is over here being manifested. But she's over here. And the problem with being over here, there's no reception over here. Are you listening? There's no reception over here. There's no, she doesn't have Verizon. Yeah. You understand? Can you hear me now? No, she can't because she's distracted by much serving. You understand? And there's no reception over there. But Jesus is over here. So she's in this place over here questioning God's love. Is it because God doesn't love her? No, it's because she's distracted. It's manifested. It's just over here. He said, where, where I am, there my servant will be also. That was pretty good preaching, if I do say so myself. Glory to God. Um, and she said, therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed. What did David say? One thing I have desired. One thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part that will not be taken away from her. In these moments where God is speaking, be it in church, whether it's in your home, uh, whether it's you're in your car and you're listening to a message and it starts to, to, to connect with you, God is trying to give you something that's not going to be taken away from you. It could be a word about your healing. It could be a word about your family, something you've been believing for, something you've been seeking God about. And God's given it to you. But... The enemy's trying to distract you from it, get you to not be engaged. Here's the thing, though. You can't give Satan too much credit, though. Because according to Jesus, the thing that causes people to be distracted is when their affection is set on other things. What your, what your mind is on reveals what your affection is on. And so the more you set your affection on him, the more I will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on me. Amen. Glory to God. He's helping me this morning. Thank you, Lord. Whose mind is stayed on me. But this is what I felt like the Lord quickened to me, and it made me laugh. I think it'll make you laugh. Uh, God wants you to have a Merry Christmas, not a Martha Christmas. Oh, come on. I'll say it again. I'll give you one more chance. God wants you to have a Merry Christmas. Not a Martha Christmas. And here's the thing. There's a lot of people this year. They're having a Martha Christmas. That's not not, not against Martha Stewart. I know there's a holiday special. That's not what I'm talking about. But there's a lot of people having a Martha Christmas. Careful, distracted, all these things to the point that they're not even enjoying it. They're not enjoying their family. They're not enjoying anything that God's done for them because they're so stressed out about crossing this off my list and do it. And listen, none of that's wrong. Right. There's nothing wrong with a pot roast, but a pot roast isn't more important than Jesus. Don't miss a moment with Jesus because of a pot roast. Yeah, come on, I like pot roast just fine. I imagine Jesus liked pot roast. <laughs> if they had that back then, or he would. But that's not more important than Jesus. Right. And it's amazing how trivial the things are that we allow 
to distract us from what's most important and what the one thing that's needful. I'm not trying to beat you up this morning. I'm not mad. I'm, I'm happy, but I just sometimes it comes across that way. I, I don't know why. It's just. Um, let me say this to you. I'll read it. I want to say it right. The gift of his presence, the gift of heaven manifested is waiting for you. But you have to watch this. You have to open it. You have to open it. What did I tell you? Heaven can be open or it can be shut. Jesus has gifts for you. He's got a word for you. He's got something that's not going to be taken away from you. And he, it's waiting for you, but you've got to open it. You've got to open it. And it can be sitting under there and stay there and you be distracted by the things and you not receive it. Not because he didn't give it to you. Now we're going to talk a little bit about <laughs> prioritizing his presence. Prioritizing his presence. Let me just say this. I'll, I'll just slide this in here and we'll, we're almost done. Um, thank you guys for staying hooked. We'll, we'll be done soon. Um, when it comes to tithing uh, and offering, it's more about place than it is percentage. I'm going to say that again. It's more about place than it is percentage. I didn't say percent doesn't matter. It does. If it didn't, the Bible wouldn't have said nothing about it. But it's more about place. Why do I say that? Because you can give 10% last. Did you hear me? You can give 10% last. And the thing that God really, he said the first fruits of all your increase. It's not about legalism. It's not about a legalism about percentage. There were Pharisees who had the percentage down, but they didn't have the heart. And that's what he was, Jesus corrected that. It's about place. That's free. I won't charge you for that. I'll charge you for everything else, but not that. Just kidding. Um, Luke 14 and verse 15. We'll see something here. Uh, I think I've got three more scriptures. Can y'all stay hooked with me for a few more minutes? Uh, He said, Now, when one of those who sat at the table with him heard what he was talking about, he said to him, Blessed is he who shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. Now, I don't know this, but I think this man had a shallow understanding of what that meant. Because I think he's thinking the man who sits at the table with Jesus once he takes over Rome. I can't prove that, but I think, I think there's, there's a precedent for that because of how Jesus responds to him. Uh, he said, A certain man gave a great supper and invited many and sent his servant at supper time. Somebody say supper time. Supper time. Notice that he didn't send him at breakfast time. Right. He didn't send him at lunch time. Right. He didn't send him in between. The afternoon rush, you understand? He sent him at supper time. What do I, why am I highlighting that? Because God is not unreasonable. He knows you got things to do. And he's not expecting you to spend all day, every day, on your floor praying and reading the Bible. Um, it wouldn't hurt you to have a day or two out of the year to doing that, but that's not what he's expecting you to do. He knows you have stuff to do. But he called him at supper time. It's, listen, 
I know you got stuff to do, but it's supper time. It's time to eat. So why is it? Well, let's keep reading before I say that. At supper time, to say to those who were invited, come, for all things are now ready. In other words, you don't have to pay for this. Let's think about it like this. He's inviting them to Christmas dinner. You understand? And he's got gifts there for them. He's got gifts there for them. And he said, come, for all things are now ready. But they all with one accord did what? Made excuses. They made excuses. The, verse, the first said to him, now, now let me just say this. Everything they're about to say, there's nothing wrong with any of these things. But why do they have to do this at supper time? Listen, why is it that people can only play golf on Sunday morning? There are a lot of other days in the week to do that. And I'm not even just talking about Sunday morning, but I am talking about prioritizing Him and His presence. And there are things that this is a good thing, but why does it have to happen right now? Because the enemy, if you allow the enemy to give you a reason to not do what God tells you to do, to not make time for God, he will make sure there is always a reason. You know how like in those Pez dispensers, you pull out one and one pops in its place? That's how the enemy is with excuses. As soon as you you, you remove one, another one pops up in its place. Amen. You got to watch out for the Pez dispenser. Ant-Man. No, that's for you, Elijah. Uh... They all began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a piece of ground, and I must go and see it. Now, is there anything wrong with buying a piece of ground? And if you buy a piece of ground, do you need to go see it? Yeah. But do you need to do it at supper time? No. Uh, the, other, the other said, uh, he said, I, I ask you to have me excused. Well, he was nice about it. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I'm going to test them. I ask you to have me excused. Now, there's nothing wrong with buying a cow. But is a cow more important than Jesus? No. No. Uh, I should have gotten more amens on that one. (laughs) Okay, well. um, Still another said, I have married a wife, therefore I can't come. I like what Brother Keith said. He said he didn't even say have me excused. He just said I can't come. (laughs) I've got a wife. I can't come. (laughs) I heard that, Elijah. Uh, So the servant came and reported these things to his master. And the master of the house said, that's okay, I understand. You guys got stuff going on, and and it's a busy time of year, and I get it. No, no, no. He said he he wasn't happy about it. He said to his servant, go out quickly into the streets and the lanes of the city and bring in here the poor and the maimed and the lame and the blind. And the servant said, Master, it is done as you commanded, and still there is room. Let me just stop and say this. In this parable, I want to be the servant. You hear that? I, I want to be the one he's telling to go do this stuff. Yeah, I, I don't want to be the poor people or the people with excuses. I want to be the servant he's telling to go do this stuff. That's who I want to be in this parable. He, he's safe. You know, he's, yeah, he's safe. He's safe. He said, go out into the highways and hedges, compel them to come in that my house may be filled. Uh, for I say to you that none of those men who are invited shall what? Taste. taste my supper. What are we talking about? Talking about having the taste of heaven on earth. But there's a lot of people who don't taste it, not because it's not available, 
but because they have other priorities. And I'm not talking about prioritizing quote-unquote church specifically. I'm talking about prioritizing His presence. You understand? Mary and Martha, that's happening in their house. That didn't happen in the synagogue. It happened in their house. There are moments of the presence of God in our homes that we can miss because we've got other priorities. Your Bible can be sitting on your coffee table week after week after week. And I'm not talking about works and I'm not talking about compulsion, but it's the bread of life. And if you're hungry and you need something, God's not withholding it from you, but watch this. You know what you got to do with it? You got to open it. It's, it's, it's available, but if it's, whether or not it's manifested has to do with our priorities. And, and it's, about, uh, it's about loving Him more than whatever else is going on. And like I said, God's not unreasonable. He knows you got other stuff to do. But what's more important, Jesus or a cow? Jesus. Thank you, Micah. <laughs> Jesus or a piece of ground? Jesus. Jesus or family? Jesus. Now, family is important. Yes. And we're supposed to love our families. We're just not supposed to love them more than we love Him. That's it. You look over in Luke 14, he goes on to talk about that controversial scripture where it says if you don't hate your father and mother and your brother and your sister and follow me. Uh, I, I read a good commentary of that in the Passion Translation. He talks about how the Aramaic phraseology had to do, you got you to remember this, uh, he, he, he's, it's being written in Greek, but Jesus is not a Greek talking to Greeks. He's a Hebrew talking to Hebrews. So the thought is Hebrew. So you got to consider that as well. But basically what he's saying is set aside. If you don't set aside. In other words, I love you, but elf on the shelf. You understand? I love you, but Jesus is talking. I'll get back to you. But Jesus is talking. Priorities. Priorities. Amen. Glory to God. Uh, Turn to Revelation chapter 3. We're just about done here. And verse 20. Thank you, Nancy. Jesus said, Behold... I bust down the door. (laughs) Jesus is not like the two guys on Home Alone trying to get in the house. You understand? If you don't want him to come in, he won't come in. And that's another thing. If you're not willing to hear something, he's not going to try to force it on you. If you won't hear something, if he knows you're not willing to hear it, he's not going to try to force it on you. We should not try to force things on people if they don't want to hear it. It doesn't matter if it hurts them. If they will not hear it, I'm, okay, I'm not going to force it on you. But, if, but it's available. The information's available, but you have to be willing to hear it. And he said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and does what? Opens the door, I will come in and dine with him and he with me. Jesus wants to come in and have a meal with you. And it's not a natural meal. He wants to feed you. He wants to dine with you. He wants to give you something that won't be taken away from you. Uh, He knows what you're dealing with. He knows you need healing. He knows you're having issues in your family. He knows that you're troubled about this thing. 
He knows that, and he cares about you. He loves you. He loves his sheep. That's what he told Peter. What he, said, he said, Peter, do you love me more than these? Now, I don't believe he's saying, do you love me more than they love me? Because if that was the case, then I think John would be a better candidate for that than Peter. Because right. Peter just denied him. I think he's saying, do you love me more than you love them? And what did Jesus say if I'm first place in your life? He said, if you love me, you're going to do what? Feed my sheep. He cares about the sheep. You putting him first place will never equal you neglecting people. Do you understand? You putting him first place is never going to equal you neglecting your sheep. That he's entrusted. You understand? He said, if you love me, feed my sheep. Because he cares about the sheep. And he cares about you. Praise God. Amen. Let me read this to you. And then I actually, yeah, I'll read this to you. And then I have a quick little story and I'll be done. Uh, We don't have this on the screen, so I'll just read it. It's in the Passion Translation, uh, Colossians 2 through 5. Uh, Just listen carefully. I'm contending for you that your hearts will be wrapped. Somebody say wrapped. Wrapped. What do we do with gifts this time of year? We wrap them. Will be wrapped in the comfort of heaven and woven together into love's fabric. This will give you access. Somebody say access. Access to all the riches of God as you experience the revelation of God's mystery, which is Christ. For our spiritual wealth is in Him like hidden treasure waiting to be discovered. I wrote next to it like presents waiting to be unwrapped. Heaven's wisdom and endless riches of revelation knowledge. I want you to know this so that no one will come and lead you into error through their persuasive arguments and clever words. Even though I'm separated from you geographically, my spirit is present there with you. That's Paul talking. And I'm overjoyed to see how disciplined and deeply committed you are because you have such a solid faith in Christ the Anointed One. I liked that verse. That blessed me. I found that just a couple of days ago. Um, let me just say this real quick. I was, uh, I was about to leave Texas. And uh, I, I'd served... Jeremy and Sarah Pearsons for about four years at that point. And they had asked me to help them film some music videos. And uh, we're filming it, and uh, this is, I didn't know it, but this is the last time that I would ever do anything with them, at least up to this point. Uh, and I'd been with them for four years, you know, I love these people, they got very close to me. And we'd had, you know, a lot of, a lot of time together that was really awesome. And it was the last time I was going to do that. And we were filming these music videos. And I don't know if you've ever tried to film anything before, especially music, but you don't always get it on take one. You understand? And that can weigh on you after a while. And so we're filming. And uh, well, the problem is, is that there's a, a movie that was coming out that weekend, Avengers Endgame. And, you know, I had waited a year to see, you know, I mean, Cliffhanger, you know, uh, if y'all are, are familiar with that. And I uh, wanted to see what, what happened, you know. And uh, I was scheduled to go see it at 11 o'clock that night. And it was 10.05, I think. And we're still filming. It's plenty of time. But I'm starting to sweat a little bit because I, I had this, I was scheduled to go meet up with my friends from Chick-fil-A and meet them at the movie theater. And we had it all planned out, and you know, it was just, 
And uh, all of a sudden, Jordan Hart starts uh, singing the song that he wrote, and Courtney, Hart, uh, Courtney uh, Jacobs sang it here two years ago when they were here. Uh, and it simply goes, Jesus, you're all to me. You're all, you're all to me. And man, whoo, when, when he started singing that song, I still can't hear that song, Micah. There was something about it. And I'm running cameras, and you could sense everybody felt Jesus walk into the room. And it was such a sweet presence. But I'm still looking at my watch. <laughs> I recognize that it was a precious moment in the presence of God. But I got Avengers Endgame at 11. And uh, they finished the song, we finished the take. And uh, I said goodbye to everybody and it was, it, we finished it up. And, got over to the theater in time, met up with my friends, went in there and saw, you know, that movie. And I was driving home afterwards. I thought, was that what I was in such a hurry to get to? To, to get away from the presence of Jesus, to, no offense, but see Robert Downey Jr. jump around in front of a green screen? Now, I'm not despising that. I, I don't think there's anything wrong with me wanting to go see that. But what was more important right then? You understand? It's, I'm not coming against anything. I'm not coming against you going to see a movie. God doesn't mind you going to see a movie, depending on what movie it is. But, uh, you know, we got to say that. But um, there's nothing wrong with that. He gives us richly all things to enjoy. But what's more important right now? And I just thought about it. I was like, Lord, I'm sorry. I, that was a precious moment. And not only was it a moment in the presence of God, but with people that I cared about. And it was the last time we were going to do that. And this other thing was just gnawing on me. And uh, that changed something in me. And I still had to keep an eye on it. But... It helped me to see something that God is a good God. He gives us richly all things to enjoy. He, Satan wants to paint a picture that if you follow God and you obey Him, you're just going to live an empty, desolate life with no fun, no good. You're just going to be sad and heartbroken because you've given everything up for the gospel. But Jesus said, if you've given up anything for my sake, in this time, you'll receive a hundred times of that. You know, I'd interpret that in some ways, and this isn't always the case, but in a lot of cases, if you put him first in your relationships, he'll make those relationships a hundred times better because you put him first. That's not always the case. I understand that. But in many cases, I've experienced that. But his presence is precious. And we're supposed to be celebrating him this time of year. So... I want to encourage you, and I believe the Lord would just say, uh, don't, don't neglect His presence this time of year. Prioritize His presence. It is a gift. And there are other gifts in that that He wants to give you. He loves you. 
He wants to give you healing. He wants to give you wisdom. He wants to heal your broken heart. That's one of the first things he said he's anointed to do was to heal the brokenhearted. If you'll put him first, if you'll put him first place, if you'll prioritize his presence, if you'll come to the table that he has set for you, I guarantee you, you will not regret it. And it will leave you in a place where you can, you're free to enjoy the other things. You're free to enjoy your family. You're free to enjoy the season or the giving or all this stuff. But put him first. Amen. Glory to God. Stand to your feet with me. I don't want to move too quick. I sense his presence is here, and so I just want to be sensitive to that for just a minute. If you've sensed a deficit in your life, I believe the Lord would minister to that this morning. If there's anybody who would like prayer this morning for anything, uh, I just want to open up the altar for a minute for you to come and receive. Um, I don't have any specific word about anything, but I don't think. But if there's anybody who would like uh, prayer this morning, uh, I'd like to make that available to you. If you need something, if, if you're struggling in an area, if you need wisdom in an area, healing, whatever it may be, I just want to invite, invite you to come up and receive. Everybody just uh, lift a hand toward heaven and just say this with me. Lord, I love you. I'm hungry for you. I'm thirsty for you. I put you first. 
and I set aside everything else. And I make myself available to receive of the table you have set before me. Father, I just pray over everybody in this congregation that you would help us to be sensitive to moments where you're talking to us, whether you'd call us away into the secret place or whether you'd have us take time to have an anointed conversation with a family member or a friend. Not to neglect those times, Father. To receive what you have for us, Lord. I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Hey, thanks for listening to the Tanny Love Church Podcast. For more information about us, visit us online at www.tannylovechurch.com and you can also check us out on social media on Instagram and Facebook.